Hey friends, it's Davion. It's Bruce. And, and this, this is Oh, that's, that's my gay, gay friend. friend. Episode number 64. We are getting up there, babe. We are keeping it moving. We are. Hey husband, how are you tonight? I'm good, husband. How are you? I am blessed and highly favored. Amen and amen. Welcome, friends, to another wonderful episode of Oh, That's My Gay Friend, brought to you by Jesus. Because he's the reason for the season. Won't he do it? Well. You know what I'm saying? All right, then. So, friends, you hope you are ready for an exciting episode. We have a lot to talk about, discuss, and disseminate. So, let's go ahead and get right into it. You guys know what time it is. We do it each and every week. Go ahead and gather your cocktail. And while you are gathering your drink, we will tell you our libation selection for today and talk about our week. So, husband, what are you sipping on tonight? An ice cold glass of Riesling. All right. I'm happy for you. I'm glad you got your remix back, you know. I mean, why not? Why not? I need to sleep. And this (laughs) will definitely help. What about you? I have an old-time classic one of mine, uh, Ginger Ale and Gin, Bombay Sapphire. So I am ready to get this going and enjoy this libation because it's much so needed for tonight. Perfect. All right, friends. I hope you had your drink. Let's go ahead and raise these glasses. Let's make a toast. Toast. Chink, clink, 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 clink. And we're sipping. And it's delicious. Let's get right into it. That was a wonderful. Let's go. Wonderful, refreshing sip. Right? We've got a lot on the docket, so let's dive in. So let's go. So how has your week been going this week, husband? <laughs> my my week this week has been going great. Um, trying to stay out of these streets because gas is fucking skyrocketing. Crazy, right? It is ridiculous. So I've been really trying to map and plan out my week the right way with the freelance gig. Um, other than that, it's been pretty chill. How's your week? <laughs> Uh, my week has been, I'm not going to say challenging, but it was definitely definitely some somber moments. Um, found out a client that I had evaluated two days after my our evaluation, um, he completed death by suicide. So found that out at work. And oh, wow. of course, there's a whole policy and procedure, things I have to do and documentation, looking at it, and thank God. That I'm good at my job and I do what I do and I do it well. So, you know, um, for liability purposes, I say that I'm sad that that happened. I found this out and a fucked up way. But, you know, um, I would just hope and pray for his family that they get some healing. And it's an unfortunate situation, but it happens. This is part of the the work that I do. And so um, I want to give a shout out to my colleagues who were definitely there who rallied with me in support. I literally text, I sent a group text out maybe five minutes after I found this out. And within literally two minutes, they all responded. And we had a group FaceTime chat, um, like within 10 minutes mm. and for about an hour. And we just debriefed and they were really supportive. So I was really appreciative of that. And, just knowing that 
sometimes there are people who are determined and things are going to happen. And but this was an un, an unexpected situation because there was the reason why we were called out to do an evaluation had nothing to do with suicide ideation, right? So, but you never know the mindset people can be in and what people are dealing with. So again, if you are dealing with any type of mental health challenges or any type of suicidal, homicidal ideations, there is help out there. There is a national number called 988, three numbers, 988, you can call. It's anywhere in the US, they can get a crisis team out to you to help you deal with the things you're dealing with, okay? So, but I processed that, I, yeah, I processed that how I need to process it, and I'm here now. So that's and what's you're going on. here to tell the tale. Yeah, and bring so, awareness. Um, say it again. I said and bring awareness. Right, definitely bring awareness. We always have to. We are advocates here on this podcast of talking about mental health. So we definitely just want to encourage anyone who may have challenges because life is hard. Life is really very hard. much. It, so. it can be so simple, but. People tend to make it hard, and and it's a lot going on in the world. So, but besides that, the week has just weeped. I'm happy it's the weekend coming up, but this year has flew by. It is currently flying. Yes, like we're basically about to be twenty. We have three more months left. Yeah, you know. So, time is timing. It don't stop for nobody. No. So let's make the best of it. But Friday we went. Out because you wanted to go out surprisingly enough because you initiated this to the club precinct downtown LA and we went for a very special reason. What's the reason why we went out? So we went out because of lags. The Los Angeles Gaming Association had their annual function and they hosted at precinct. I am a gaming nerd. I'm a nerd in general. And the recent release of Mortal Kombat 1 on the PlayStation 5 was something that I have been heavily into and excited about, although I do not have a PlayStation 5, so I have not played the game yet. And this particular night at Precinct, we went to a few years ago when the last Mortal Kombat was released. They have games set up. It's kind of like they turn Precinct into an arcade, a little mini arcade where people that are gamers they can come play the new mortal kombat game play old classic games they bring in um i can't think of the name of it the what you were playing oh like a pac-man or the little the yeah little like machines, the, the machine the place is the arcade but i can't think of the names i'm gonna think of it in like 30 <laughs> minutes and like in the middle in the middle of the reality roundup i'm gonna scream it out but they bring um, uh, the, the the gaming machines, uh, and people can just randomly play it. You can do co- they do cosplay, so people come dressed up as their favorite Mortal Kombat characters, and it's the perfect situation for me because when I go out, I typically like to go to places where the music is right because I'm not a big people watcher. I don't care about people. I either like a good drag show or good music, and. For this night, they had one out of the two. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So they had a drag performance where people came dressed up as Mortal Kombat characters and put on a performance, which was great. And it was just good being around fellow, you know, gaming enthusiasts and fellow nerds and also 
drink a cocktail or two and relax. Yeah, it was fun. I will say last year, the people, the cosplay people who were attended, they definitely had some more scarier looks and even some of the drag performers. Because as you are a gamer, I am not. I've tried to play with you. Sometimes I can, but I just don't understand the violence of Mortal Kombat. Like, why does it have to be that graphic? But, you know, to each his own. But while we were there, I did play, a, I don't know, it was an old school, like 1990s um, Street Fighter, which you have selected like three different players. And this, this, these guys that we met were talking with, and it was like, all right, let's 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 play. And I'm like, all right, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. I'm just pressing buttons. And I lost. So when you sat down and knowing that you pretty much has have beat every person that I've known, including your siblings and the other friends that we have that you play, that you um, play video games with. So I, I was like, oh, better my husband. I'm like, yo, hey, homeboy, I'm sorry, but you about to get your ass whooped. And so his friend was like, well, my husband about to whoop your husband ass, but they weren't really together. I know. That's why I'm so confused. It okay, was, we that, they were just good, good girlfriends. Um, but y'all played each other and you lost. And I was like, <laughs> so the guy was like, who's going to whoop whose ass? And I was like, I don't know what happened. I'm like, you must just don't, you must just do this shit for fun, like every day, because I don't know how the hell Davion lost to this guy, but it was all in fun. It was a very lighthearted experience, experience in the, in the environment. And also, you damn near almost won the fucking PS5. You damn, you were like three, four numbers away from it. I was going to tell that story, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, no, continue. I barely deliver. <laughs> well, no, tell your story. I didn't know. Go for go it. Ahead. No, <laughs> um, but the whole reason why I wanted to go, uh, the real, real reason why I wanted to go, it was a, a raffle for multiple things that night. But the main raffle was for a PS5 and uh, a game that came along with it so it had like a retail value of around six and some change almost seven hundred dollars so that was my main reason for going that night because i was like i'm going to win this fucking ps5 and the way the raffle worked you had to donate and you know with every price bracket that you donated in you got x amount of tickets so i donated enough to secure 40 tickets 40 tickets that you can, you know, put in the box and hope to, to hire your chances of your number getting called. So that's what I did. And I I felt it. I knew the time came. It was like three hours after we got there. The raffle started. So we've been waiting this entire time. And they had multiple color of tickets to be called. Like, you know, multiple chances or whatever. And when it came to the PS5, they were like, this is a red ticket. I had all red tickets. So I split my tickets in half. I gave you like 20 yeah. for you to check. I had 20 to check. And when they called out the number, you and I both were looking frantically through all of the tickets. And then I saw that the highest ticket, that I, the highest number of ticket I had was literally like four numbers short of the winning ticket. Yeah, you were 48 because I had the four. You have, you have 48 and they called for 53. So essentially, if I would have bought just a few more tickets, I would have won. Or if I would have just purchased my tickets a little bit later, um, I probably would have won. But, you know, 
I wasn't upset because everything happens for a reason. It's not my time. I got other things I need to focus on, clearly. So, you know, I was cool. But I was like, yeah, we can go. <laughs> I was like, I've got my fill. Let's pump it. But that was a good night. It was fun. It was a, a great time there. Love Precinct. This is a great fucking space. It's really huge. If you guys haven't been, it's downtown LA. It's on 4th and Broadway. Um, it, again, it's an, it's an alternative to WeHo. You know, there's a couple other spots that's downtown, like Red Line, I think, and I want to say 10. It's like the other gay bars and walking distance. Of I've each never other. ever been to 10. We haven't. 10 was actually closed that night. Um, but we know it's there. So, but check it out. If you guys don't want to do WeHo, if you're in LA, if you're downtown, go give them a shout out, you know, because we have to support these businesses. So, to keep queer life going. But, um, yeah, that was our weekend, right? And that was the Saturday. Weekend. Everything else Sunday was chill. Was, yeah, I worked Sunday and did that whole situation. So that was that. But prior to our show airing on Friday, we found out some news that we couldn't go back and record because it came out Friday morning. And we found out that we have a artist for the Super Bowl. If you guys have been hiding under a rock or living under one, then you know at this time Usher is now the 2024 performer for the halftime show at Super Bowl. I want to say 48, I think. I could be off. Don't quote me. So, thoughts. Because we talked about this on the podcast before Mm -hmm. about who can sustain a show. And Usher name did come up. But we also talked about Usher being there with a supporting cast. So do you think he will have a supporting cast or will he do the solo? I feel he will have a supporting cast, but I definitely feel he could do it solo, especially after seeing him at his residency. And just out of a respect factor, like. I do consider him up there with the Justin Timberlakes, with the Beyonce's, who managed to do their set by themselves, uh, with the exclusion of Justin, who brought out NSYNC. But that doesn't really count because that's a band he was a part of. It wasn't like random acts. Yeah. Like the year Coldplay did it and brought out Bruno Mars, Beyonce. It's like, okay, clearly they felt they couldn't do it by themselves. So they brought out, you know. And also, not just people, yeah, artists that kind of support what they're doing that people knew and eclectic. I would say be more eclectic. Okay, there's not the people who just like Coldplay music. You know what I'm saying? Oh yes, exactly, exactly the the point I was making. I feel like though, Usher can definitely do it by himself, but I think, and you know, with some of his hits because he doesn't have that many features really if you think about it like the only thing i can see him doing is bringing out like lil john and Ludacris for yeah yeah and if he brings out any other random artists i just don't think it'll fit i mean i think it'll be cute if he brings out some atlanta people but i mean again he doesn't need that i don't think he does and i and i think because he's also um mentioned that his album is going to be released on the same day of the performance of the super bowl and he's planning a world tour. So he has like a full rollout that he's got planned. So I think if he has anyone else up there with him that can kind of distract from this super huge push of new music. So I'm pretty sure 
and he, he'll only have, he'll, he's only going to have like 12 minutes. So I'm sure he's going to try and squeeze some new shit up in there. And he has like a plethora of songs from his catalog he can play. Right. So I hope it's just him. What say you? That's crazy that you're talking about he's releasing new music and then going on the world tour. I mean, you had everyone coming to Vegas to see you. And so, and the fact that we've been and people are going multiple times, like, that's a big enough thing. So then to now announce you're doing doing a tour, it's like wow, like you trying to get all the money, girl? Like There's, shit, leave nothing it's on the out table. There. It's out there <laughs> to get guess. it. And people are gonna go to the show because again, we've seen this show and it's a fucking great show in Vegas. But to add to it, the Super Bowl will be in Las Vegas. So I was like, well, that kind of makes sense. He's he has a, a residency there. It's in Vegas. Although I do wish it was held in Atlanta because then of course you would have the whole Atlanta moment, right? That would make a lot of more sense to bring Atlanta artists out. But I feel like he was he'll have a small Atlanta moment, like you said, Ludacris and um Lil John. So I think that I'm excited to see him. I think it's well deserving. He's done it before, but he again he was a supporting cast of someone else. So it's a headline It'd be great, you know. It's been a lo- it's been a while since we've had a black male to be a headliner for the Super Bowl. I can't recall who, but I know Bruno Mars is not black, so that don't count. Um, the last one I can think of is Prince, but again, it's probably a long ass time. Oh yeah, that was like early two thousands. I can't think of yeah, no, I don't or know. no, The Weeknd. Oh, yeah, The Weeknd was just a few years ago. Yeah, I forgot he's weird. So, I don't really consider him black. I know his color is that. I Listen, I don't. He's weird as fuck to me. I don't get him. It's not my job. So, if you're weird, you're not black? Not saying that. I <laughs> what? Not saying that. I'm saying when I think of black artists, all these, I, he doesn't come to my mind as a black artist that is like in the genre of R&B, hip hop. Like, I just, I don't think about him. So, once my I started to think, about like, okay, black, who, I start thinking about the performances, who has done the Super Bowl that was like oh shit he did do it and then Kendrick was no, no Kendrick was with Dr. Dre so Dr. Dre was the one for SoFi yeah it was Dr. So, Dre yeah, so, so I think Dre was probably the last black male to headline but didn't he really headline because he had Mary there also it was a it was co-headline yeah it was yeah. co-headline so I'm saying solo so solo artists I believe it was The Weeknd no yeah because The Weeknd was like four years ago yeah so yeah this is all super recent so yeah, so excited about that. But speaking of other trash as um, celebrity black male who are rappers, uh, let's talk about this fuck nigga who's locked up. So there's a documentary now on Hulu about the Megan The Stallion and Tory Lanez situation. And it's really interesting because they're taking both sides, they're giving both perspectives, and they're, they're talking to both, again, both supporting players and members and family members who support them and give it their account of the incident that happened. So we watched this documentary. What was your thoughts about seeing how people actually are believe that Tory didn't shoot her or that he shouldn't, or that he's innocent and that it could have been Kelsey who possibly had shot Meg. Uh, I think they're delusional. I do recommend if you follow the case, if you even kind of follow the case and remotely care about either one, 
to watch this documentary because it does such a great job. It literally dedicates a full episode to each person, like their side, their perspective of what happened. And after watching both episodes and both perspectives, I truly just don't understand how someone could still say free Tory. <laughs> this is the people that are still saying that are saying it just because they have their own preconceived biases. They don't like women. They don't like black women. You know, they it just they have their own shit because there's no way you can watch these episodes and be like, there's an innocent man in jail. Right. Like someone, someone had to shoot the gun. Okay, let's just let's be clear about that. And, and the gun was owned or registered to who? Like, it was infuriating to me to just see people really support his that this man did this and that she had to defend herself and all of the trolls. I think the trolls was the most important part to me that was just kind of shocking that people that the fact that people were really going that hard and maybe i just maybe blocked that out of my mind from social media but people were going extremely hard because they started to show posts and tiktoks and people were being very vile towards megan basically saying you know she lied she said she stepped on the glass because the police body cam said that but then she's mentioning the fact that you have to realize that a George Floyd just happened months ago prior to that situation situation. And we were at a civil unrest. There was a lot going on. So, you know, she was trying to protect his little short ass. And I'm just glad that justice had been done. The jurors of his peers have found him guilty and now he's serving his time in jail. And did you see the photo that the shade room released of his new mugshot? Yes, of his comb-over afro <laughs> situation. It was very interesting. Um, I didn't know how much of a nugget he was because I didn't follow. I, honestly, I didn't know he existed before this uh, debacle happened. But I never really seen that many images and photos of him the way that they showed in this documentary. And he's a fucking nugget. Yeah. Like, he is a literally, because they show aerial footage of the night when he was laying out in the street when everybody was laying out in the street the driver kelsey him and megan was like sitting bleeding from off her feet side, right off to the side and you just see the little nugget just the little <laughs> nugget body literally looking like a young adolescent laying because he was wearing nothing but swim trunks because they had just left the pool party yeah and he just looks like a little badass boy that needed a whooping but more importantly, what I got from this, the real reason why he is in jail and is in jail for so long, regardless of the fact that he shot her or not, or who shot her, there was a gun in his presence when there shouldn't have been Right in his car that he owned that it shouldn't. And it was just fired. It was warm to the touch. He wasn't supposed to be around any of that type of shit because I believe he was what on probation or he he was not supposed to be around yeah, a loaded handgun. Can, yeah you can't be around the firearms so I think a lot of people. people are conflating the reason why he got so much time like it was just she just got shot in the foot like it's just she lying it's glass like no yeah people don't understand they don't know you can't be around other convicts or anyone who has a firearm or it's a lot of criteria things that you can't do 
So regardless of who shot the gun, he shouldn't have had it in the first fucking right. place. And it shouldn't have been loaded in the second place. <laughs> and both things happen. Regardless of who shot who, that is the facts. And I think that added to the time that he was given. And I really just need people to educate themselves on on things. They're not, but it was it was tried in the public, right? So public opinion already had ruled and pretty much took sides. And it was very apparent very early on that you were either Team Tory or Team Meg with this. So like I said, justice has been served, you know, and we're done with that. But it was it was a, it was a surprise to see that, that there was a documentary. We were we were just search, surfing through different apps, and it was like, oh shit, like there's a, there's a doc on this one. Let's just watch it. So, Hulu will make a three part documentary on anything, baby. <laughs> well, they, they definitely will. So let's get our we get our six ninety nine worth um, <laughs> all the time. We get our life with Hulu, so we love it. That part. Um, but another app company that always has some really good shows and. I fucking hate the company, but their shows are fucking amazing. This is Apple. And Apple had a show about the supermodels. Naomi, Christy, Cindy, and Linda. The icons. The legend. The Holy Trinity. Well, Quite there was true. a Holy Trinity plus then Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> but this documentary is a multiple episode uh, miniseries almost that follows the lives past, present, and what the girls have planned for the future. It is brilliantly done. Yes. I think if you are a child of the 80s and the 90s, this is particularly for you because this, the nostalgia of this documentary and me personally being able to remember the times of the supermodel when they were at like the apex because supermodels have been around since the 80s janice dickinson like you've got even before then like it, 60s it, 70s it, it, well they were super they were models but like the the term supermodels where they really became their own like celebrity it like it was at its apex in the 90s with these girls and that's why they picked these four. It was so fun watching it. Like, it was fun. It, it, they did such a beautiful job at spending equal time with all four women. Yes. And it never felt, at least for me, it never felt like, oh, we still on Cindy? No, we for still me, on Naomi? The surprising part for me was that they were truly friends. And they are still truly friends to this day. And they celebrate that. And they talk about that. They're like, you know, we... They, they put us together, and we just happened to really like each other. And there was moments there would be competition, but it was all friendly. It was all, And it was all out of love. And even the fact that Linda Evangelista was fighting for Naomi because, you know, at that time, you can only there was only like one black supermodel that can be the it girl. And Linda was fighting like, no, like, if she's not on the cover, then I'm not on the cover. So I love that dynamic. I love those type of friendships. And this show, it just showed you how badass that they were. And they were like, you know, they didn't know their power really until um, the George Michael video. Mm. I want to say it's freedom. Freedom. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Got to have faith in my head playing. But I know that wasn't the right video. But the freedom video, when he mentioned the fact that he didn't want to be in the video and he wanted these supermodels to lip sync to his song. And 
than the fabulous, the iconic, the genius of Giovanni Versace using them in his show and having them walk out to the song and all the girls. And so, you know, they it was a beautifully shot documentary. Anyone who's into, who's into fashion, supermodels, we definitely implore you to just watch this because it's amazing. It really is, and it's so tastefully done. It it has high moments and low moments, but the low moments never feel depressing. It never feels like the girls are being exploited, but it is honest. Yes. About what they had to go through. Yeah. It's so good. It's really, really good. I, I know. We try to sell so, shit. <laughs> no, it's just really, there's no other way to put it. It's just, it's nostalgic because you, you know, go back to the 90s, fucking MTV House of Style. You see, you know, 90s fashions and it's, I, it's just that, it's just fucking good. It was. And for me as, you know, a little gay boy, Cindy Crawford with, I remember the Super Bowl ad, the Pepsi. Like, that was like, oh, shit, who is she? And I want to be her or know her or whatever at that time in life. It was just like, I knew the feeling I have for her. I don't want to fuck her. I just wanted to be around in her, in her atmosphere because that was just a very iconic moment. So then to see her as an adult, then recount this photo it's like, oh shit, you, you recreated this again. You look fucking amazing. On top of that, you know, last week and I started the podcast off with one margarita. I'm going to open my legs. She's in that fucking video with the remix with Santana. Do you know the, her, the chick's name yet? <laughs> I said laugh. it last week. Angel somebody. Angel make a clap or something, but whatever. Okay, but I actually saw the video this past week, and it's a really fucking bi- good video, and it's an even better song. I kind of hate that. It, it's a good ass fucking. I kind of hate that it's wasted on her because it'll never get the traction it deserves. <laughs> like, like friends out there, have you ever heard a song and you're like, "Damn, I wish a bigger artist had this because the song was just too good, so much yeah. bigger than the artist that sung it." But yeah, this is one of those songs. Yeah. So, supermodels. On Apple TV. And Check there it you out. Go. Okay, this one's hard to it's hard to report on because I love the fact that we we're journalists here on the podcast. Is that, what, is that what you think? <laughs> <laughs> man. Right. Um, but no, we're just storytellers. Um but this one here she has some challenges. We know this. But also it's like just let her live. She lives her life on Instagram. And if you don't know who I'm talking about it's Britney Spears. And recently, Britney had displayed another video with her dancing. We all know she loves her dance videos. I don't know what beat she's dancing to because she be all over the place. And I'm like, this is not the boom cat Britney that performed at the VMAs with NSYNC. And she, I don't know what well, she's been count for she's, what count she be on. She be on a one, the three, and then the seven. Like, she's not on the two. She's not on even numbers. But she was dancing with some knives. Now, she said there were props. She even put into her post that these are props. My team got them from a prop store. They're not real knives. But because her name is Britney Spears and she's had a history with having mental health challenges, people called the people on her. And she happened to have a welfare check with, um, I believe, the sheriff department. Um, I don't know if, if my department came out to see her, but I think it was the sheriffs who went out or LAPD to just kind of check on her for a welfare check. So 
I think people leave Brittany alone. I think people just leave her alone, let her be. But do you think it was warranted for them to do a welfare check because of this video? Or you thought that was, are we too hypervigilant with her because her past? Or are we trying to cover ourselves to make sure she doesn't do something? I think it's a little bit of all of the above. You have to be honest with yourself. She is a very mentally delicate human being based on past experiences. The girl shaved her head and destroyed a SUV with an umbrella. And then she got to a place where she had to be on a, under a conservatorship. She didn't have to be. They chose. She didn't have to be on the one. There's, there was actually no reason for her to be under conservatorship. Like, really, going knowing this case, there was no reason she, this lady should have been under a conservatorship. But, finish your point. But, in order for one to have it, they just don't sign a paper, right? Like a judge. It was. It be. was. It was done. It was done from what I've known and what I, what I know about. It was done illegally, and that can happen because of money and push. It was it was backdoor. It wasn't going through the proper channels of it. Conservatorships are really hard to do. Number one, especially when someone is in a psychiatric hospital. So she only would she only had one hospitalization. You don't get concerned after one hospitalization. It doesn't work that way. But whatever attorneys and her dad and finagle some shit and the, like it was backdoor and if it it should have never happened. To just be completely honest, working in this field, it shouldn't have happened with her. Such is life. Okay, back to my point. Just looking at the reality of the life she's gone through, albeit her fault, not her fault, legally or illegally, there have been things that she's done that would make someone worried about her actions when it comes to playing with knives that look real. Um, so, you know, I can see why people would be like, okay, check on her to make sure mama's okay. I do think that people should truly just leave her alone. She's gone through some shit. We don't know what she's gone through as far as trying to better her mental health and, you know, be mentally stable. So it's like, we can't just assume that she's not in a better place. I've seen way weirder shit and more concerning shit online that like really warranted welfare checks mm -hmm. of people just trying to, you know, clout chase on TikTok. Right. Her dancing in her home with her fucking uh, knives and utensils is on her. <laughs> like, the, like, literally let her live. Yes. I would have been more concerned if she did this at like a uh, preschool or some, you know, like she's in her home doing what the fuck she wants with her shit. Let her be. And she was, she mentioned she was paying homage to her favorite performer, Shakira, who danced in the video with Nas. You know, whether real or fake. I, again, I think people are just too hyper vigilant, and you know, you you can't hold people to. Things that they've done in the past. And I heard you mention the fact she shaved her head and, and and the umbrella situation in the car. And she was in her early 20s. Like, we, if we're going to hold people account for shit they did way long ago and don't move past it, then we all are going to be guilty about some shit, right? Um, not talking about you specifically, just saying the, the point that you mentioned about that. So, 
I just think that her team needs to, whatever team she has around her, again, she's a grown woman, she's free, and she's expressing herself just to be like, okay, girl, listen, like, just watch some content because you're putting stuff out there and then it's out to the public and people couldn't raise questions. And anyone can call anyone to have an evaluation. That's true tea. Um, but there has to be a reason concern to, again, take someone's rights away for something. So, but Brittany, good luck to you. Her book is coming out, though. I can't wait for that. Yeah, I can't either. Yeah, her book is coming out. So we'll hear her story in her words. Um, I want to say it's coming out October 1st. I could be wrong on that date, but I do know it's coming out next month. So we'll be looking forward to that. And um, the internet has been inter- interneting since we were talking about people watching Britney and all the things because of her videos. But there has been this um, hilarious trend that's going on on Twitter about boy math and girl math. Had you seen anything about that? I've I've seen a few things. I haven't really done a deep dive on it. So it's basically saying, you know, it's equating to the fact of of like boy logic and girls logic. Okay. So if stay with me in that premise, then we're gonna put. So I'm gonna read some of these tweets, and then you can make your decision. So someone tweeted, "Boy math is them not wanting to spend ten dollars on flowers because they'll die." And then someone says, girl math is I went to Target and my total was $80 and I used $60 in cash and $20 on my card. Then I only spent $20. So truth be told, that was a steal. Okay. Another treat, tweet. Girl math is buying herself, buying myself a treat. Every minor inconvenience because I deserve it no matter what the cost is. That's kind of dumb. Um... So someone said, girl math is, how do you want to be with a nigga with no baby mama, but you a baby mama? Okay. So, uh, yes, essentially it is guy's logic versus woman's logic. Another tweet is, girl math is going on vacation with eight friends and coming back with three. Now, that is funny as fuck because that happened to my cousin. (laughs) I mean, that happens a lot. (laughs) To her birthday, yes. Yeah, it does. Um, Witness to that. Uh, Let me see another one. Boy math is... Only having one pot, pan, spoon, fork, cup, and plate, and asking her when she's going to come and over and cook for you. Okay. Uh, boy Math is thinking that their baby mama is going to go on lavish vacations with the $125 a month child support payment. <laughs> Dudes do be acting real, you know, shysty talking about, you know, all the money I'm giving her for the baby and it'd be like $200, but yet mom has to cover everything else. Uh. I've never understood that part. Boy math is raising three pet bulls instead of one child. (laughs) Boy math is not getting tested for STDs because their last sexual partner sent them negative test results. The funny thing about this boy math tweet is the girl math wave was such silly fun as fun but now that it got ruined now they can have now they have to start cooking i don't know why that person said that but friends you tell us what you thought about the boy math and girl math on our ig page oh that's my gay friend let's see if we can come up with some better opinions you think you have any um 
boy mass or girl mass in you that you want to share with the people? On me right now? No. Or in your head? <laughs> <laughs> no. Circle back around to me on that one because I honestly, I've never really read any of them. Like, I saw the trend of it going on, but I've never really sat down and actually read through one until yeah. hearing them just now. So that's why I was like, oh yeah, this is just guy logic versus girl logic. But yeah, no. Yeah, it really is. Now, you know, it was just like, okay, well, some of the shit was funny as fuck, and then some of it just didn't make sense. So, but speaking of things not making sense, let's talk about this Biden impeachment um, inquiry that they're doing in the Senate. Okay. And so one representative from Texas, baby, she handed the people their ass today. I don't know. Did you watch it? Did you see anything about it? I saw this video and that was essentially it. Okay, so we're going to play a video of Jasmine Crockett. And so she is, Jasmine Felicia Crockett is an American lawyer and politician who was the U.S. representative from Texas, the 30th Congressional District since 2023. So she's an attorney and also a House representative, uh, a member of Congress. And her county is South Dallas County and that includes uh, Love Field Airport. So just give you some context of who she is and what mama does okay so now she's a black woman and she's about to hand these people their entire ass so pay attention to listen like they blind they don't know what this is these are our national secrets looks like in the sh this looks like more evidence of our national secrets say on the stage at mar-a-lago when we're talking about somebody that's committed high crimes, it's at least indictments. Let's say 32 counts related to unauthorized retention of national security secrets. Seven counts related to obstructing the investigation. Three false statements. One count of conspiracy to defraud the United States. Falsifying business records conspiracy to defraud the United States. Two counts related to efforts to obstruct the vote certification proceedings. One count of conspiracy to violate civil rights. 23 counts related to forgery or false document statements. Eight counts related to soliciting and I could go on because he's got 91 counts pending right now but I will tell you what the president has been guilty of he has unfortunately been guilty of loving his child unconditionally and that is the only evidence that they have brought forward and honestly I hope and pray that my parents love me half as much as he loves his child until they find some evidence we need to get back to the people's work which means keeping this government open so that people don't go hungry in the streets of the United States and I will yield mama did that oh yeah i mean that needs that she did what needed to be done she read the house down boots and it was no angry shit it was she was passionate and she uh, effectively communicated her point talking about 45 and his 91 indictments or and everything's kind of going on and so the fact that they're trying to i think it was what by is it tomorrow or saturday that they'll make a decision it's going to be a shutdown or not yeah, and if they don't, then it'll shut down Sunday. Yeah, so, you know, I just love watching that video. I just wanted to share with you guys. We find it, you know, we talk about politics here, you know, in and out. But I love when someone reads that house down boots and proves their point and just lets you know, like, this inquiry that you guys are doing for Biden makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Um, there's bigger things, you know, to to be concerned about in this country, especially so. I loved it. It was perfect. It was very articulate, concise, 
and I hope that it doesn't fall on deaf ears. Although I feel like it will. <laughs> with the people with that need to receive it. Right. So, moving on to a different topic, shifting gears all the way a little bit, still talking about these celebrities that people that we um, see on social media. There was a question that the Shade Room had asked, and they put about maybe six different scenarios out there if there was a celebrity auction which item would you bid on so i want to read some of these to you husband want to see what you think you would raise your paddle to let's go all right so the first item is of the celebrity auction you are able to shadow jay-z and beyonce for a day that's the first item to bid on the second item is you swap phones with P. Diddy or Diddy or Love, whatever name he goes by that day of the week. The third item you can bid on is you have a private Drake concert with three special guest performers. Okay. The next option is celebrity item to bid on. You take over the Kardashian social media accounts for 48 hours. All of them. So it's Chris, everybody, even the kids. All right. The next item that you get to bid on is 10 free mentoring sessions with Steve Harvey. Okay. And the last item to bid on is an all-expensive paid shopping spree with Rihanna. So we have Rihanna shopping spree. We have a free uh, mentoring session with Steve Harvey, the Kardashian social media, a private concert with Drake and three other artists. You swap phones with Diddy. Or you get to shadow Jay-Z and Beyonce for a day. What say you? What are you bidding on and fighting to the death for? I am fighting to the death for a shopping spree with Rihanna. Because it's actually something tangible. I can give a fuck about spending time with celebrities. I'm sorry. I don't have that spirit in me. I could care less about celebrities. I love what they do. Yeah. I love their music. I love the movies. I love the the glitz and the glamour. But when it comes to just kicking it with the celebrity, I don't care. I don't give a shit about shadowing Beyonce and Jay. What? <laughs> like, well, we to follow them to Popeyes. Like, I don't care. Uh, the only other thing that I may care about is getting P. Diddy's phone because I just I know he got some scandalous text <laughs> messages. I know. I know there's some good <laughs> dick pics up in there, baby, from back yeah, he's in the 90s. From people. Um, yes. Oh. And I shit, I, I want to see where he's sending them to. <laughs> I would want that just for nosy purposes, but everything else I literally could care less about. What say you? So, okay, so um, yeah, based off of this list, uh yeah, I'm I'm shopping with Rihanna. Um, you know we're gonna do some things because unless you if they would have swapped out Drake for Janet and some guest performers, I probably would have did that. This is my whole private concert, so I could you know be on stage with them too. Feel like I'm one of the people. But um yeah, I don't have any interest in the Kardashian. Although I am taking an interest in this uh new feud that's happening with uh Kim and Courtney apparently. And I don't know if this is them trying to wrap up so they can get viewership off of Hulu, but these hoes are, are at each other's throats. Like, they oh, don't they, like each other. They've been beefing a few years ago. They got into a physical fight on one of the shows. I Listen, I, I just saw that footage like two weeks ago. I didn't know all this shit. Had I known this, I probably would have tuned in because I'm into, into family conflict. Like, that's very interesting to me. You're here for the mess? I'm here for the mess. 
but yeah, so to, but to take over their social media, nah. And you know, um, like you said, shout out Jay Z and Beyonce. That that does what I mean. You know, I mean that would be great for like a member of the Beehive, people that are obsessed with Beyonce. I'm sure they would love to just be around her, but I. I don't. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I, I, do, I would love to see her perform, but like I don't yeah. need to be like kicking it. To, yeah, to shadow just to be in person. I don't yeah, need to. No, yeah, I don't no. need all that. And then Steve Harvey, you know how I feel about that gentleman. So that's not even an option. So, but friends, you tell us who would you bid on for this celebrity auction? Would you want to hang out with Beyonce and Jay Z? Maybe look through Diddy's phone to see who he's texting. Or maybe take over the Kardashians, get your your social media following up. Um, talk to Steve Harvey. He has some encouraging words to you. Listen to Drake. Do some light scanning and shit. Sing songs with some performers. Or shop with Riri and get all the fancy for free. But see, you can also go to a car dealership. Like, they didn't say where you can shop. Like, I'm trying to get some shit. Like, I'm trying to get me some and shit. Like, What's your foot? You feel like buying a plane today? Let's go look at some cars and some shit. Exactly. Like, think with your fucking head, people. And also, it is, yeah, you, you can take a flight anywhere. So, and then depending on where you go, if you go to Italy to come back, you know, it's still the same day. So, time, you know. <laughs> time, yeah. Time, <laughs> time, time. Time is timing, you know. So, hey. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I'm definitely shopping with Riri. And so. she don't even got to be there. Just give me your card, bitch. Just give me your card. You can, all you have to do is say <laughs> hi to me and you hand the card over and I'll be like, okay, girl, I got this from here. Thanks. That's all you I good. Mean. You got it. Just give me your your card, man. Well, from Rihanna to Brittany Reiner, <laughs> that's a transition. Um, but they both have probably slept with one of the same men, which is Drake. Okay. <laughs> so let's keep the commonality going. Uh, what's that? The six or what? The six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Six degrees of separation is the actual name of the. That's the movie, though, right? Well, that's the game. Six degrees of separation. separation. Okay. Um. So yeah, so Brittany Reiner was sitting down with Shannon Sharp. So Brittany, if you're not, not familiar who she was, she's a beautiful girl, um, 31. I want to say she was on Basketball Wise LA. What season? I couldn't tell you. But she also has dated a lot of different celebrity men. Um, who her roster would be names such as Drake, Chris Brown, Trey Songs, Ben Simmons, James Harden, and Jamal Murray. So those you know artists and some basketball players. And Shannon Sharp, if you're not familiar who he is, he's a retired football player. He played 14 seasons, primarily with the Denver Broncos, but he also is a sports commentator on ESPN. Chocolate drop. I think he's a really attractive man. Um, okay. No, I'm just, I'm just pointing out the fact. But um, so he sat down with her, and so she revealed in an interview with him while they were talking that she slept with 35 men. Okay. And I don't know how, and I don't know what kinds, I don't know what came up or how he asked the question, who you slept with or how many bodies you got. But he then proceeded to drink excessively after she revealed this. And he is making a lot of funny faces and it's like kind of in shock. And I was want to ask the question to the pod and our friends out there. Why do we respond this way? If a woman says she slept with 35 men, but if I asked a man, if he said he slept with 35 women, no one would have that type of reaction. So the misogyny of this whole situation of this world, when are we going to stop this behavior? Never. I mean, you, I've, go, I've, talk, I've spoken about 
the inequalities and the hypocrisy within the gender roles at nauseum on this podcast. So I, I mean, I don't need to. No, no, no. We have, but it's just. It's, I guess I'm looking at the fact of the the reaction from the video, and he's he's not saying he's not saying what he's thinking, but his actions by his behavior of the. The mannerisms and the movement and the just like he literally drank like one drink from his glass, then opened up a bottle and started chugging and it's like oh even yeah, big yeah, eyes and he, shit like being silly. Meant. He was like, I know what he meant. Yeah. So what she fucked for thirty five niggas? Like what's the problem? And like you don't have a you don't have a high sex drive, sir. Or what's your body count? You know what I'm saying? Like because he never. She never asked him that question. Now, I don't... It was a soundbite. So, I don't know... Again, I don't know the full context of what the scope they were talking about. Or even if he did disclose how many people he's probably been involved with. But, either way, if you ask someone the question and they give you that response, like, did it warrant that? Was that all necessary? So, you know, friends, tell us what you think about that. You know, do you think uh, 35... I think 35 is a low-ass number, in my personal opinion. Low, high, who cares? <laughs> so honestly, who cares? I never got I never got the question. I never got why people cared. I never got why I never I don't understand I just I don't understand the logic behind needing to know what someone did before they knew you or even in or even him asking her and not having any justification behind it. They aren't dating, right? No, I don't believe they are dating. No. So, like, what was even the point? <laughs> even if you're talking about sex, like, what you prefer, what you like, what... Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what the context would be to ask someone that that you're not dating. Yeah. Um, like, I, and even if you are dating, as long as you both are healthy <laughs> and, you know, you're in a monogamous relationship, who cares? Well, I think people want to know. People, We have a... Um, this innate ability to want to know information and, and things. And so, because people also have insecurities, right? So if you say to someone, okay, well, I slept with, in a dating sense, I think this, maybe she was just being forthcoming talk. He could have asked her about, you know, guys she dated, whatever. She probably just like, Hey, I just, you know, gave her number out. But if we talk this topic in a dating context, I think that if you are dating someone, you know, your number, they may feel a certain way. They may feel okay. Inferior because if you had, if you have had more partners than them, they may be worried about their performance. If they can, you know, if could they satisfy you or not, or, or if you are having, if you have, if you are, if you have had multiple partners, are you a sex addict or will you be fulfilled if it's just my sex? Like I can understand people's reasoning for asking the questions. I again, I just think that it. Again, talks maybe to the insecurity that they're they're having about it. So, but I mean, it's but also I think it's a healthy conversation to have if you are dating someone. There's nothing wrong with it, you know. Again, just be prepared for the answer you were going to receive. If you ask a question. That's my only caveat to have. Yeah, I think that's that should be a, a generalization across the board. Like, if you're not ready for an answer, don't ask any question. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just make don't, it feel yeah, like, just so. don't ask any question if you ain't ready for that shit to go either, in any way. Right. So, right now, we are choosing not to talk about our new topic, or not new topic or segment, but the segment we normally do, which is Have You Ever Wonder Why? Because we want to talk about the incident that happened, and it's pretty just disgusting and vile. 
And T.S. Madison, shout out to T.S. Madison. Um, she posted on her Instagram a story and a video. Um, if you guys aren't following T.S. Madison, go ahead and follow her page. This is not an endorsement by no means. We don't know her by no stretch of the imagination. But it was very concerning to see this video. So the video is of a trans woman walking. Looks like in could be New York, maybe Baltimore. But I'm going to give it to NYC. Um, and apparently there was a group of guys. I want to say it looks like maybe about six of them. But she's walking what looks like to be out of a store or some type of shop. And apparently, it looks like that maybe there was a group that was blocking her path to walk. And so she tells one of the guys, um, "Get out! can you get out of my way with your cute self? Statement like that. Where I guess his manhood was so attacked, and he felt so unbelievably um, homophobic, transphobic, that he had to retaliate. And they threw a drink on her. They picked up. One of them yellow cones that people put down in restaurants that when it's like it's wet, mm-hmm. they threw a cone at her, they threw a crate at her. Someone came and jumped and kicked her on the side. Um, and T.S. Madison basically said that this is why she tells all her trans girls to carry something to protect, to protect themselves. I saw the video and I was instantly pissed off and mad because it made no sense for them to have this type of visual reaction to her making a statement. And if you didn't appreciate the fact that she acknowledged the fact that you were cute or what have you, if it's coming from a trans girl, but your reaction to throw items at this person to then cause physical harm, people, you don't have the right to put your hands on anyone. Then further, it's being recorded and the person recording is laughing and they're walking down the street. But I'm glad it's recorded because people can now see that there's assholes like this, and it's unfortunate that the fucking people were fucking black, young black men, just being fucking ignorant ass niggas, because that's what the fuck they are, and reacting this way and violating this woman's space, her presence, and she didn't. It doesn't appear in the video or even with the commentary that she touched him. She just asked, "Can you move your cute stuff out of my way?" What were your thoughts when you saw the video? I mean, I think it's horrible. I think it's disgusting. I think it is shrouded in misogyny, homophobia, um, fear. But more importantly, she didn't do nothing that is different than what men do every single day around the world. And what I'm willing to bet all, it was like, what, four, five guys? Four to six, yeah. Do themselves on a daily basis when they see a woman, excuse me, beautiful. Right. Hey, pretty, why don't you smile? Why are you looking so angry, pretty? Yep. Now, if a woman hears that and her and four of her friends start throwing shit, hitting, kicking, splashing water then it will be an issue. So what warrants a man to feel like he can do it to anyone? Because that's a woman. Yeah. Regardless of what you think, what you feel, that's a woman. It wouldn't be okay if they did it to another man. It wouldn't be okay to do it to anyone. Anyone. So, it... 
it's it's exhausting it's tiring and it's so it's getting tired really pointing out other people's ignorance and have it fall on deaf ears because the people that will hear us are smart people so it's like we are discussing ignorant people we are having discussions about ignorant people that will never reach the ears or at least seep into the ears that we need them to seep into because they're going to continue to be ignorant and dumb and closeted and scared and fearful of things that they don't understand or things that they secretly hate about themselves. Yeah, I just think that, you know, it's not... T.S. is known for advocating to say protect yourself gun rights have a weapon on you now the gag would have been she would have had that thing on her and would have popped off on four or six then you mad because your family members have having to go fund me to try to raise shirts uh for your fucking uh funeral because you yeah. elected to throw items to throw a cone to throw crates to then someone someone did a round off kick into her side like kicked her in her fucking side that's assault so if she went in her bag and got that thing and would have went to work, she would have been her fucking right. And I would have support because it's like you can't put your hands on anyone not expecting them to react the way they want to fucking react. If you didn't like the way she said pretty, you can call her all type of names. You can walk and taunt her. That's words. That don't mean shit. She can take that. But you start to do, do shit physically to someone, that's a different conversation. And I was always taught... You better not start no shit, but if you, you someone put their hands on you, you bet damn sure finish that shit. So that's the school of thought I come from. Um, it's just sad. It's unfortunate. But I really, again, I believe in karma. And it's going to come back to them, you know. But uh, hopefully someone can identify who this lady is in the video. Give her some love. And I also identify... These punks in the video and have them have charges be brought up uh, upon them because, again, they assaulted someone um, based off someone using their words to say, can you get out of my way? So on that note, friends, we're going to take a break. Come back with the reality roundup. All right. Be right back. We're back with the reality roundup and we are stopping with something that is hot off the press. Yes. The Real Housewives of Potomac trailer dropped this week along with new promotional images of all the ladies, all eight ladies. Eight hey, bitches this time? It is a full house, baby. I'm excited because I truly think some of the better seasons of housewives across the board is when they have a full house okay when it's only six it's usually boring i.e <laughs> this past season of atlanta so i'm really excited about this full deck now what are your first impressions of the potomac trailer so first of all i thought the trailer was kind of whack um especially this whole like there was a late 80s late 70s early 80s um sitcom vibe like i need the producers to stop doing that type of shit yeah, they're trying they to like, do something right yeah they're trying to do some funny shit it's like just 
just play me the shit that I want. I don't need to have a nostalgia yeah, of a sitcom. Up. Yeah, don't doctor the shit up. Just give it simple. Give it to me straight. Give it to me straight. This ain't jazz. So, that's like the way it takes my tequila. Just straight. Um, so that part I didn't like. I, I, I also thought this new chocolate drop was windy several times. <laughs> so that's going to be confusing Com, uh, decide, deciphering the two between them because they look very fucking similar. I believe her name is Neka. And is she African as well? Oh, I don't know that. Yeah, but she, they look very, very similar. So, um, yeah, that. But also, do we need her? I don't know who she is, but do we need her? So, that's my second thought. And then my third thought is, I need to see the fight that happened inside the club with, um. Candace and the Muppet or whoever walked up the Muppet. I need that footage. They didn't show that in the trailer. So for me, that's what I that was missing, and that's why it wasn't that exciting to see. But I am happy that the girls are back. What about you? Oh, I'm ecstatic that they're back. One. Um, I'll be more excited for Beverly Hills, just saying. But to me, Potomac is definitely up there, especially after the bad taste of Atlanta in my mouth. I just need a palate cleanse, and I think these girls are going to do it for me. Uh, like you, I was not impressed with the trailer. Again, this is just like the teaser trailer. It's not th- they usually have the teaser trailer and then like the mega trailer that comes out uh, a few weeks later, because this airs the first episode. I believe is in November, the beginning of November. November fifth is the first episode. So we still have time to get the mega trailer. Where we'll probably get some of the footage that you're inquiring about. But the teaser trailer, it usually, the point of it is to make you want more. But this didn't. It At didn't all. give me anything. No. Uh, I agree with you. I think the producers need to just stop trying to get creative and just give us clips of Yeah, trying to make a moment. On. They're trying to, to get, it's, it, don't, it don't need all that. Yeah, like just especially certain. I mean, with some franchises right now, yeah, you need to put a filter. You need to doctor it up a little bit. But with Potomac, all you have to do is just fucking push play and walk away. And these girls will give you a show. But Giselle's going to produce the shit. You know that. Right. And Karen. But more importantly, who do you think is serving the most on the group picture? I love that they gave the girls a new, like a, a new new set of promo pictures because you know Bravo is legendary, uh, especially with the black franchises. They will recycle the same shit year after year, but they'll just Photoshop the dresses a different color. <laughs> That's what they did with Atlanta for years, but they've been giving the budget to the Potomac girls uh, they lately. They brought the numbers. Yeah, they've been they've been giving the girls their their due and their respect. So everybody got new looks, new ambiance. Who do you think is serving? New booties, new titties. Oh well, new all around. So looking from left to right, this photo. So we have Dr. Wendy, Mia, Candice, Ladam, Karen, Giselle, Ashley, my girl Robin, and this new broad, Neca. Sure. Um. Based off what I'm seeing, it's kind of 
basic, I want to say maybe Karen because she's sitting down in a pantsuit type of situation. Um, yeah. I mean, Wendy Tears are sitting. They're definitely sitting. Happy and Ness. Happy and Ness is, they are happy and, and all the mess. Um, you know, Candace is, is doing a little something for me. Yeah. I was maybe caring. What say you? Oh, my girl. Uh, Wendy. Not Wendy. Don't lie and say Robin. Robin looks a fucking No, no. Mess. Robin hair. Robin hair is good. I like this hair on Robin. I, like, I love Robin shorty hair. But her hair is good to the side. That's all. <laughs> that's that's all. You're here for the pieces. I think that uh, my eye automatically goes to the Grand Dame. I'm sorry. I think she's serving. Her and Giselle are technically in the middle, but the way that they have everything, all the women sitting and, you know, the composition, it is literally arrows pointing at the Grand Dame. That's a, yeah, the way that she's positioned, when you look at the photo, it's like you go to her because she's, she's sitting down and she's at an angle. Yes, and the girls around her are literally... it. They're pointed, their position, the composition is an arrow that points yeah. to an arrow on both sides that point points to, <laughs> to Karen. So if I was Giselle, I would uh, be, be a little upset at that. But the composition literally narrows. Yeah. The most narrow point of the picture is it's Karen. Karen. So yeah. you have no point. You have no choice but to. And looking at her face, she's serving her face. She's giving face. She's giving uh, pant uh, jumpsuit realness. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, looking at you, yeah, Karen. That's why I say Karen is giving. She's the work, giving. I would give her that. Good work. The work is she. She finally deserves her place. She, she the work finally. is impeccable, especially considering season one. Karen, like the hair is herring, the face is facing, and you can't you can't deny her. She is literally the oldest housewife on a current season. Is she? Yes, she is. She just turned 60, right? Yes. And because Vicki Gumbelson is no longer a housewife, oh, okay. Karen Huger is literally the oldest bitch on Bravo. But she looks amazing. Money well spent. Money, Money well, well spent. spent. The black Bill Gates is... Yeah. Well, I think it's her tricks because, you know, you know, remember Picnic Karen that sneeze and that wig went one direction and her hair went the other direction that almost fell off, you know, so. Oh, well, I guess, yes, yes, she's definitely funding it now. But I think that the Black Bill Gates definitely, the first round of upgrades, yeah. he was funding. So you yeah. got to give him some credit on something. But yes, we are definitely excited for this upcoming season. Wasn't too excited for the trailer that released. So. Yeah, no, out of the 10, the trailer was a five for me. So, but um, November 5th, you guys, so be prepared because we're going to talk about all the shits that oh, come yeah. with the girls. But to talk about Roni, what happened? So, this week on Roni, the girls are wrapping up their tri trip in Anguilla. It feels like they've been here for a full month. This has been, this has <laughs> felt like the longest trip ever. But, it doesn't always feel that way with the girls' trip. It was like, I'm tired. Y'all only, only here for fucking four days. I feel like the girls' trip across franchises is always one episode too long. Yes. I just personally feel like it always overstays its welcome. But I can say unequivocally after this episode, I am a Roni stan. I love all of these girls. 
even the ones that I don't like, you know, if they all come back next season, the exact same order, the exact same way, I'll be as happy as a clam and I'll be sitting here because when I tell you that I feel everyone clocked in for this Anguilla trip in they their did. own way, I feel like everyone's personalities and their caricature, like their care, like the blueprint of each of like a how of every type of housewife you want came to fruition and solidified with this trip. Yeah. Like everyone's personality flourished and for better or for worse, because again, the bitches I don't like, I still don't like, and I don't like them even more, but they all work. They do. And I was never a old school Roni fan. I watched maybe a couple, maybe two episodes. But so to have this new breath of fresh air and to be a part of it, I am a stand as well. I'm here for it. I think everyone should come back. Don't bring another person into the mix. No, I need to at least for like another for like- two seasons. Don't bring it out. Don't do a friend of because everyone is playing their position, and yeah, everyone definitely show the hell up. And what I loved about this, so we continue when we leave off where. Uh, Uma takes Aaron's sunglasses. Yes, she goes Uba to fuck snatch off. Aaron's glasses off of her face. And Uba says, Look at me without the glasses when I talk to you. <laughs> and Uba was dead ass serious. She was like, You're not getting these glasses back. You didn't give me my phone back. And a nice compromise that Uba did. She said, Okay, you have my phone for 45 minutes. I'll keep your glasses for 45 minutes. And she said, Siri, <laughs> set an alarm for 45 minutes and walked out the door. And not a bitch said it. All the girls were like, well, Duba. <laughs> so my girl, though, Jen, was like, wait. And she's like, because well, they're in the car and they, they're going to the beach or whatever. And they're in the car. And Jen Alliance is driving one of the cars and Uma's driving the other one. So just like, no, this is fucking stupid. Like, let me get your fucking glasses. Like, you don't have glasses. Because Aaron's all squinting. <laughs> it's so bright. <laughs> you can't see like, you need glasses. Yeah, she's like, I need your glasses. And so Jen's like, can we get the glasses back? And she's like, no. 45 minutes. Now she got like 42 minutes left. <laughs> like, the fact that she stuck to her show was like, that's a badass bitch shit. I'm not even mad at that part. But Jen was like, well, I got some glasses. Aaron's like, no, I want my glasses. So... That whole thing, Jen was like, this is fucking stupid. This is childish. And it was very, it was childish, but. So childish and petty. I'm here for that. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, we love to watch it. I would hate to be around it or in that situation. But yeah, from the comfort of our own home, it's amazing to watch. So, Aaron eventually gets her glasses back while the ladies are all sitting at lunch, be- uh, beachside. And then oh, the, I want to point out something. Sorry. Go for it. Go for um, it. The fact that Aaron was like, I'm not touching those. She didn't want them from Uma's hand, which could play a little racist, a little something. Oh, well, she knows. I mean, you know, to the camera's like, I don't want it from her, but I get it. It, it wasn't that context of it. She just didn't want Uma to hand it. So Jenna had to get the glasses. So then Aaron's like, Oh, my glasses are here. Like, you know, playing a little dumb, stupid shit. That's to me, let you know, like, this is not that serious. You shouldn't have an attitude. The way you're having a whole ass attitude right now in the moment. Well, I think this whole thing literally could have been de-escalated when Aaron saw how upset Uba was. She easily could have been like, I apologize. This is not what I meant. You are offended, angry, hurt, 
those definitely were not the emotions I wanted you to feel. I apologize. Left Uba alone for the rest of the day so Uba could cool out. Boom. There would have been a great last day in Anguilla. But yeah. that's not fun to watch on the Housewives. So, <laughs> of course, Aaron gets mad that Uba's mad. And neither one of them discuss why each one of them are mad. Yeah. And it just escalates the rest of the day. But can you really, though, think about it being on a trip with friendships or whatever. And you're, can you really logically air out some shit like you don't want to do that if you pissed off or something you just want to be pissed off in your feelings and it, it'll take the more mature grown-up person to want to to do it but then at some point you're like fuck it i don't give a shit like i'm gonna still do me like see, i don't give a fuck you mad you be mad i'm gonna live my life and do me all day but see that's the type of person i am where it's like if i can de-escalate the situation i will only if it is it, it involves me like, if I were Aaron, yes, I would have de-escalated the situation because it involves me. Bitch, right. you mad at me. And let me tell you why you shouldn't be mad at me because this wasn't my intention. But if you still choose to be mad at me after that, then yes, I'm going to get my life and enjoy Anguilla. Yeah. But I will still at least give my perspective. Now, if I meant to piss her off, then yeah, I won't give a fuck. But clearly in this moment, Aaron did not mean to do that. And it got to the point where I did start to feel bad for Aaron because... Like, much to her point that she made the night before, she could have easily been angry with Uba for pushing her into the pool, but, and I can relate to this because I am a very much so go with the flow, you know, water off a duck's back type of person. If I can't, I can't swim, you know that. If someone pushes me in the pool, I'd probably be like, okay, that wasn't cool. You pushed me in the pool, but I can still laugh at it. Whereas, you know, some people can really suck the air out of a room and cause this big, you know, hubbub and speak their truth, but do it in a way that just kind of fucks up everyone else's time. So I do sympathize with Erin in that in that sense, because she could have been just as upset as Uba was with her with pushing her into the pool. But she chose not to. And she chose to take it on the chin and for the sake of camaraderie be like, oh, I'm going to get you back, girl. But, you know, she did in a way that Uba definitely didn't appreciate. And instead of explaining that to her, because Uba did a great job at explaining it to us, the audience, like, you know, her family and this and that. But she never did that with Aaron until, you know, the end of the last day. So... You know, it was fault on both sides. And I mainly sympathized with Jenna Lyons. Because you can tell Jenna was like, this is so below me. <laughs> like, this is like, so. I don't do this with my friends. I, I don't want to do yes, this with my like, friends. You and I totally get that part of yes, it. Yes, because you do that with coworkers and associates, not friends. Yeah. And I don't think that Jenna really understands that on the Housewives, they use the term friends. Very, very loosely, very loosey goosey. But these are your people that you. These are your your talent mate. These are your. They're your literally your coworkers. Yeah, your literally your coworkers. Your coworkers, your co-stars. There, yeah. So at the lunch beachside, there is no real resolve between Aaron and Uba. They try. It immediately goes left because Uba's still not fucking having it and is on Aaron's entire neck. Aaron somehow when did this happen but Aaron called Brent a social climber oh she that called was prior to the a few weeks was, back yeah. a few weeks back actually the sit down that aired the very first episode uh, 
between Aaron and Uba when right. they were at the fountain. In that, Aaron told Bryn, or Aaron told Uba that Bryn was a social climber because she didn't want to eat at Catch. And right. that her and Cy went somewhere else. And she thought that, that was Bryn social climbing. It, side note, friends. So inside school, if you ever, if you guys are watching the show and they keep blurring out or beeping out the when they mention the restaurant and they they don't say what the restaurant is. The restaurant is Catch, so that's the restaurant that we know that yes. Aaron felt was dated, dated and played out. Yes, because it technically is in New York. It's new and happening, kind of still in, in LA. LA. Yeah, but but in New it's York, done. it's been there for a while and it's over with. Uh, it's not hip anymore. So yeah. So it's Matt Day at the lunch and Uba divulges to the group that Aaron is essentially because one of the allegations Uba was making is that Aaron is a liar. She's two-faced. She's like the common denominator for everybody's issues. Was, was that back in the pool, the house, or was that the lunch? No, this is at the lunch because okay. that's how she brought up the Aaron saying that Brent is a social climber. God, okay. That was the catalyst for her even mentioning it. And Brent was like, "Gay." <laughs> oh, that's right. Because we'll be okay. What we'll, we'll, we'll yes. forget to tell you is that Aaron left. She got a, she called an Uber or called a car to get her because she couldn't deal with the. Yes, because the there was side, no. They were talking between. Yeah, they weren't talking. It was side eyes. I know. If you ever been in an awkward lunch where no one is looking at each other and <laughs> looking away, that was the energy that Umba and Aaron was having. So Aaron. Removed herself. But I think Uba was not looking away. Uba was looking dead ass at Aaron. <laughs> and Aaron felt uncomfortable. So she excused herself from the lunch. And that's when Uba divulged to the group how Aaron is essentially the common denominator for everybody's mini beefs yeah. and quarrels this season. Which is actually true. Um, so Bryn was like, that's interesting. Uh, meanwhile, while trying to flirt with the waiter. So, Uba apologizes later. She eventually apologizes to the girls for Mm -hmm. how uncomfortable the day may have been. Minus Aaron. She still, she was on Aaron's neck good until the evening of the last day. Now, on the way back to the house, the girls are in their separate cars. Mind you, Aaron is back at the house crying on the phone to her dad that, you know, Uba's being mean to her. Jessel tells Bryn and Uba that she has a list of all the things Aaron has either done or said to her that has offended her and how she's felt in those moments. And she goes down the list and shares with Uba and Bryn, and they're both completely gagged. They share the information with Sai and Jenna in the next buggy, literally as they're driving down the fucking road. Everyone's kind of amazed at this, but astonishingly, nothing come nothing happens with that storyline the rest of the episode. Because the girls get back to the house. Yeah. They decide to get on their bikinis and have a dip in the hot tub. Aaron grabs Uba to the side and like, can we talk? But I think something <laughs> the funny thing is, I think something was waiting in the winds the wings to happen. 
Jessa was just having her moment. To, she wanted she wanted someone to bring her and clear her in the conversation. Oh, she was so on Reddit. Jessa was on Reddit. But the girls kept talking around, and they just they never pinged her she because never, they, they never hit her buzzer. They constantly forget about Jessel, and that was like the <laughs> B yeah. storyline of this entire episode. And the girls, multiple girls, kept making light of it. That yeah, they forget. They tend to forget about Jessel in real time. But yeah, Jessel came ready to fight. She came in her baddest bikini. She had her designer shades on and her cocktail. And Mama just stood in the jacuzzi by herself waiting. She was waiting. Like, pick me, pick me. And even Brynn, I think, was the one that brought it to the attention um, inside with side. She was like, oh shit, Jessel's outside just ready. Like, what is she doing? Because at that time... Aaron and Uba were like off in the corner talking and Jessel was the only one in the hot tub just like staring at them with her yeah. shades on waiting to be brought into the conversation like she had her phone I'm sure set to the tab of all of the fucking uh, things that Aaron all did to her. All of her notes but all of the girls eventually end up in the hot tub except for Jenna because she's working. She's a businesswoman. She's in her room conducting business. Yeah. And she's like, sorry, I can't do this right now. I can't do the foolishness. But there is resolve that ultimately happened in the jacuzzi. In the, um, what did Brand call it? The time, <laughs> time machine? The hot tub time machine? Yeah. At one point, though, they all were ganging up on Aaron. And I think rightfully so. It was rightfully so because, again, you are the common denominator. She knows she's just shit started. So what I love, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Um, when Aaron and, and Umba had their second sit down, because they sit down before once, and he goes too well. They start yelling. For the second sit down, and Umba tells her, like, She's like, you know, you talk shit. She was like, you're a shit starter. So Aaron's like, so are you. She was like, yeah, but I own it. <laughs> like, I know I am. Like, yeah, she said, but I say it to their faces. I say it. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, yes, I am a shit starter. So she's like, just fucking own this shit, which I love that. Because it's like, Aaron, you could have avoided all of this if you just admit. But you retreated, tried to do the victim thing. And then say, you're my friend. Why are you ganging up on me? And trying to use that as leverage over Brynn. Because what Uma was pointing out was like, you have talked shit about them. Woman, you love Brynn. Woman, you hate her. You're upset with her. And then you manipulate her. And then she feels badly about herself. And then, But you're back loving each other. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense to any of us. So, I just think that Aaron could have just diffused a lot of just saying, yes, I called you a social climber. Yes, I said this about you. Yes, I did. The, you know, going down the list of people be like, listen, but she, I, I have, the producers tell me to do this shit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I will say that Aaron definitely earned that first chair seat oh, at absolutely. the reunion. Absolutely. Mama's been working overtime this entire season. The only thing that I that actually makes me like her even more is that she's so oblivious to it. Like, is she though? I feel like she is. I don't feel like she's as aware uh, of what she's doing as a Giselle. Like, I don't feel like she's producing because in a, essentially, Aaron is producing this season. Like, she's going, she's keeping storylines moving. She's going from one girl saying what she said and getting delivering yes. it to the rest of the girls. But I don't get that same awareness that I do from a Giselle. Because when Giselle's confronted, she's like, yeah, I did it. 
<laughs> she's like, aren't we all working here? Yeah. But when they come for Aaron, she's like crying. I just, I didn't, I don't understand. What do you mean? Like she's truly, she truly gets the wind knocked out of her because she feels like she has these strong individual relationships with the girls that no one will, you know, call her on her shit and will challenge that. So that's why I feel, that's why what I find redeeming and what I love about a first season housewife is they're just messy because that's who they are, not because they feel that's what they have to do. Okay. And I think that's the difference that I love between Aaron and Giselle. But see, I think a little, I'm not, I don't think she's, I don't think she's, Oh well, she's definitely it's, messy. She's messy, but that's not what I was gonna say. I don't, I don't. Th- I'm not gonna say she's not aware. I think she has some awareness. She's smart enough to know. Okay, I have to be this this person, but also I just can't do it to the baby. This thing that Gis- Giselle does, or had, or put it out that I'm doing it to that point. I don't know. I just, I think she she's a smart cookie, and she's a she knows what she's doing. That's just how I feel about it. But I think I do think you're right. She is banking on her friendships being stronger than for them to call me out. Like, you would never call me out or turn on me because yeah. I'm your friend. But it's like, well, no, you saying some fucked up shit about me to people. So, friend or not, I need to, at some point, we need to confront this shit. Yes. So. So, that, I don't think she does good with, with, with challenges. Clearly. Or conflict. Not, not challenges. Conflict. In her face, like directly, because it all started with her. It usually does. So, well, that's all I got for Ronnie. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie is that. Listen, they're gonna get on this island, <laughs> and next week we'll see what happens with uh, once they're back in New York. What type of shit is going down, and seeing who's still friends with who. But what we do know is. As a consensus in this household, we're not fans of uh, Psy. No. We're I mean, I've been pretty f- consistent with my Psy dislike. I'm Psy eyeing Psy. Yeah, I I feel like, yeah. <laughs> For all the reasons why I said that I like Aaron, I think it's the exact opposite. For Psy, and I've said this before, I just think that she's too on and too aware. Like, I feel like all of her funny lines are, like, written out. Like, yeah. I feel like she goes into her uh, OTF day with like her notepad with her one-liners written. Like she just seems so aware. She's so prepared. At all, yeah, at all times, it's like I'm on the reality show. I gotta bring it, yeah. honey. Yeah. Well, next week we see that um, Jenna Lyons goes to a gay bar, and let's say Jenna Lyons. Jenna Lyons goes to a gay bar. And she um, may be auctioned or maybe a stripper. We don't really know. Jessel shows off some uh, questionable lingerie for her husband who doesn't want to fuck her. And could care less. <laughs> could care less about her at all. And there's some interesting conversation that happens when two couples meet up. Um, Aaron and her husband and Cy and hers. Um, and the question is brought, if you haven't had sex with your spouse in a year and a half, you know, what would you do? And Aaron Hudson said, I would fucking cheat. Like, straight out. With a complete straight face. And, and <laughs> like, Aaron's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, it was like <laughs> breathing. It was like, and I fucking cheat. What's my next cocktail? <laughs> What's eight? <laughs> you know, so. Aaron was like, huh? 
we'll see what happens because also side sits down with um Jessel and try to outpour each other. Okay, great. Yeah. Like I don't <laughs> see who had the worst who had the worst who had the most humble beginnings. So we'll see what happens next week with that. Yes. And moving on from Roni, we are going to take a stroll down the streaming lane and talk about this new season of Love is Blind. Yes. Now, we are going to give first impressions of a few of the, I guess, at this stage, house guests. Because I'll we can't s- say couples. I'll say main characters because, you know, there's, there's what, I think 18 people? Yes. It's like nine guys, nine girls, I want to say. And they never. And I'm giving the, I'm being generous with that. Maybe I could be off with the numbers, but it's a lot. It's a lot, but either way, but you do have the the go tos that they kind of focus on. So one is Aaliyah, she's a black uh, black woman, twenty nine years old. She's an ICU travel nurse, which is great. Another main woman is Lydia. She is a thirty two year old geologist. I want to. She's Puerto Rican. Lydia. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to see who else. We have Stacy, who's a thirty four year old director of operations. And we have Johnny, who's 32-year-old, and she's a lawyer. And I want, that's for the most part. Oh, we have also Taylor, who's 26, and she is a teacher. Um, The last three ladies I've mentioned, they are Caucasian. The first one, Aaliyah, is African-American. And then we have Lydia, who is Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. And I want to say that's pretty much the main focal people. For women, women. absolutely. And for the guys, we have Izzy, who's a 31-year-old male. Um, I think he's maybe Caucasian and white. I mean, Caucasian and white. Caucasian and Hispanic, I believe, or something like that. Um, after him, we have Chris, who's 28. He's a project manager for commercial and retail development. So, with Chris, we have... Oh, No. On the Onchi? No. Uchi. There's, Uchi. There's another one though. Milton. No, but Onchi. Okay, so Onchi's 34. He's a lawyer, entrepreneur. And there's another guy. His name is E N O C H though. Not thought that was, but that's not Onchi. Um, but Milton's 25 year, years old. He's a engineer. They're both black, Onchi and uh, Milton. And then we have Carter. Carter had a little storyline. 30-year-old construction worker. It's kind of like the one. He's kind of... Um, uh, he's rugged. He's tall, like a big guy. Um, they think he has a tractor or some shit like that. Okay. And then there's Jared, who's 32, who's a firefighter, who I believe is a MAGA supporter. <laughs> or he's in that red pill group of men in Midwest. Because he has everything red, white, and blue. He's always talking about America and the flag. Okay. So those are the people that we have um, that the show tends to focus on. That's what we're looking at. So who? What was your first thoughts about um, the highlighted folks that we talked about? I think that none of them need to be in a relationship. Honestly, truly, I red flags left and right just based on the first few conversations. I think that Milton is way too young to be here uh, inquiring about anybody's marriage, especially his own. <laughs> I don't understand that. 
another one that really pops out at me is Lydia. Like, she's just a walking red flag. Oh, she's a hot fucking mess. She's just a walking, fiery, inferno red flag. Everything that comes out of her mouth. But first, she's fun. When you first, the first episode, the first episode, she's fun, lighthearted. And it wasn't until episode two or three, you was like, some things start to come out. And you're like, huh. But it doesn't take to episode, until later on, we, we find some other shit out. But don't want to put the cart before the horse. But for me, she felt fun in the first episode. Mm. So, but you were concerned about her from out the gate. Out the gate. She really? Just, yeah, out the gate, she rubbed me the wrong way because she really reminded me of last season. I forget Jackie. her name. Yes, she reminded me of Jackie from last season, where originally they did both come off fun and life and loud. And I just want to, you know, I just want to love life. And those be the main people you got to worry about because uh, they be trying to convince themselves, honey. Another one that really stuck out with me is Uchi. Really? Yes. Because in the either episode one or two I just didn't like the way he conducted himself in one of the dates with uh, I believe it was Aliyah. Yes, that was completely disgusting. So you want to elaborate to tell the people what happened or? Sure. So Aliyah, who is entirely too good for this process, it's always one that clearly is above all of this emotionally. She was being transparent and they came upon the discussion of past experiences, past relationships. Right. And he asked if she's ever cheated. To which she was extremely transparent and honest, which is what anyone could hope for in a situation like this. Right. And said yes. To which he judged the fuck out of her. Absolutely. And asked questions reeking in judgment. So, when did you do it? How long did you do it for? So, why didn't you just break up with him? And with every question that he posed to her, she just deflated more and more into the couch to the point where by the end of this conversation, she was crying and she had to walk out. She didn't even say goodbye to him. He was still talking and she had closed the door at that point. Yeah, he was completely gaslighting her. He was gaslighting her. Coming off holier than now. Meanwhile, he cheated too, but it was just a kiss. He was 18. He made a, a specific point to put that distinction out. He was 18 and she was older than 18 in, in the relationship. And it was just a kiss. Yes. So he minimized his Absolutely. indiscretion and completely decided to hone in, pick apart, and judge her situation. To which... I'm very much so proud of Aaliyah. She saw it almost immediately after 
like she she realized what was happening in real time yeah so she didn't feel the need to come back and say oh my gosh i'm so sorry oh my gosh please you gotta believe me she was more so like no you judged me and that wasn't cool yes which i'm very because not a lot of people would have done that especially people in this situation that just want love and just want to have it they would be more so fearful of losing a connection instead of being true to themselves and voicing what wasn't okay. So I'm glad that she did that. Yeah, and I also just feel like the fact that he questioned her values, it was a values for me to put in question, well, you know, I couldn't, how long did you stay with him afterwards? Well, I couldn't have stayed with him and, and then had this looming thing over my head and whatever. And she just like, you were very judgmental. So, you know, um, I don't want her to marry, especially not that fuck nigga Uchi. Because we find out some shit that happens later on. Um, and he just doesn't seem like, you know, I always think niggas are gay. He seemed gay to fuck me. Like, it's just something there for me that just ain't, just ain't mathing. But, you know, that could just be my own uh, judgment. Well, that's judgment about him. But he decides to go on the show for the, the world to see. But, um, yeah. Should we tell the people what we know about the situation? What? So we come to find out later on in some episodes that in the first meeting of when the show's airing, that everyone goes to different pods to talk to people. Well, Lydia walks into a pod and so she says hello. As soon as the guy says hello, she's like, I know you. She tells him his name. That guy happens to be Unchi. Which we find out they dated in the past. So she's like, hey, I know you. You're in this process. I'm in this process. What do you want to do? He then says, I don't think it's fair for us to even consider each other because we're not being fair to the experiment. What they don't do is tell the other people that they fucking know each other. And they, what we also don't know is the fact that they don't tell us that they fucked three months ago. But, so after... Like you were saying, husband, you, you mentioned the situation with Aaliyah and, and Uchi. We come to find later when Lydia when Aaliyah goes back to the room, she's crying. Lydia walks right to her because that's her girl. They have a connection. Lydia's telling her, you're just like me. You, you're going to be okay. And she's, com- she's comforting her, not telling Aaliyah that, hey, I fucked this nigga three months ago. So it comes out when... Uh, Ali goes back to talk to Unji. Then he mentions, right? Yes. He mentions to her. He said, I have something to tell you. And then he, t- he tells her that he had dated Lydia. So now Lydia's like, what the fuck? She goes talk to Lydia. Lydia's like, yes, you know. And so she starts to have diarrhea of the mouth. Aggressively. And tells her everything. And Lydia's like, I don't want to know all this. Starts telling her things <laughs> that you, if you're getting to know someone, will want to find out on your own. Like his likes, his dislikes, the fact that he has a nice house, the fact that he drives a Tesla. He drives a Tesla. Like random shit that you shouldn't be divulging to someone that's getting to know someone romantically. Yeah. And I think that she was just so excited at the fact that one, Aliyah didn't punch her in the fucking face because. You glazed over it, but Lydia literally was consoling Aaliyah 
deep to a point where she was telling her things that if you knew she knew exactly who Aaliyah was crying over and being emotional over, yeah. it could be perceived as Lydia being manipulative it could. in the things that she was consoling Aaliyah about. Right. Well, so she didn't know it was Uchi. She didn't know. She didn't know. She did. That's what I'm saying. It could be manipulative yeah. of her saying certain things to Aaliyah. But when Aaliyah, being better than this process that she is, lets Lydia know that she knows, she comes off, Aaliyah does, cool as a cucumber. Like, yeah. it's okay. And I think that Lydia got so excited at the fact that, oh, shit, she's cool with it. Oh, my gosh. So we can be besties still. And we can be cool. And yeah. I'm going to be friends. And I'm going to, you know, tell her the sister secrets and give her the leg up. So, you know, we can all be all we can be a foursome <laughs> like whoever I pick or whoever picks me and them two we can double date yes. and it completely starts to freak Aaliyah out because she's like bitch I don't want to know any of this every time she gave a detail you can see Aaliyah's face going deeper and deeper like what like girl stop just stop like I don't want to know I don't want to know yes you're absolutely right I think Lydia thought okay you know, we'll, like said, thought, we'll be a foursome. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, girl, but his friends. And it's like, I don't want to, we're not, he, she's like, but that, she's like, but that's still, that'll be your husband. Like, I don't have no feelings for him. That's your husband. But you, you, you failed to tell her. You fucked her three months ago. Completely failed to tell her that part. So, you know. So, yes, Lydia is a walking red flag because she shares too much of certain things, but doesn't share enough of the important things. Right. So, yeah, I'm just very scared for Aaliyah at this point. Yeah, Aaliyah, you know, like you said, she too good for this process. A beautiful soul, but we'll, we're going to see and come to you guys next week to tell you about all the other fuck shit people because there's a lot of dynamics that's happening with these people. Yes, so next week we will know all of the official couples at yes. that point and we'll be able to really dissect each couple's storyline up until this point because there is a lot to have transpired between multiple of the names you you broke down earlier players but we just want to give you guys a chance to catch up if you haven't with the first five episodes that dropped and the new episode that will be dropping on the same day that this uh pod episode drops so we'll all be updated together next week and we'll talk in depth about the first six episodes and absolutely couples. so we have a new show we want to talk about briefly with you guys uh we can talk about this next week more in detail but it's fucking great it's a show on hbo max it's called naked attraction now i saw this show when we were in europe you guys you were back on the flight to la i was still in in, in rome and i just thought it was an italian show i saw it i was like there's naked people on the show on the TV. I don't know what they're saying because they're talking in, in Italian, but I'm here for it because there's naked people. A, one person's dressed, the other six are naked, and they're talking and they're going on dates. But we find this show, Naked Attraction. The concept is you have one person, male or female. They have six options of people. They are based off of the first attraction of them being naked so it's a reverse 
situation of dating, the host is there. They talk about the person's genitalia. They talk about people's bodies. And by each, there's three different categories. And by the end of it, each category, the first half is they lick the genitalia. So they look at the penises or the vagina. They go through all six, see what they like, dislike. Based off of that, the host asked them, so who don't you like? You have to eliminate one person. They say the one they don't like. They eliminate that one. They then raise the the partition uh, partition higher for the midsection. So you're looking at chest and titties and, you know, stomach and abs or what have you. The person looks at all five now left. They say what they like, what they don't like. Um, you have to eliminate someone. That person goes off. You now have four people left. They raise it higher to see the full face now. They go off attraction off the face and the whole body. They have to eliminate one person. They do that. That person's gone. Now you're left with three people. The host then asks the three remaining people to either to talk about what you like about your body and what you dislike about your body. They do that based off of the answer and the tone of voice and the accent. That person eliminates one person. They're gone. Now you have two people left. The host now tells the person who's fully clothed, go backstage, come back. That person comes out naked. So now everybody's naked except for the host. And so now the two people who are wanting to get the date gets to a chance to talk about the one person to give critiques about their body. That the one person who's the with the host, they say who they're going to pick and they go on a date fully clothed. In between all of this, though, there's educational moments about human connection and the body. So what did you think about seeing this show? I thought it was fabulous. I actually saw a clip of this show years ago online and I thought, okay, this is amazing. I have to find it. I have to find it. And then, I mean, I didn't do a deep dive because I knew we would need a VPN to find it and it just wasn't that serious for me. So I was like, this show will never come to America. So let me not even try to get invested. And I never, I never did. But when I saw that it was now on Hulu I said baby I know what I'm doing or HBO Max I said I know what I'm doing the rest of this evening and it's great because what what you didn't mention that in between you know each of these rounds and them going to all of the people that are naked there are really great facts that they give on the human body on attraction between males, females, between males and males, between everybody. They give actual factual statistics and and knowledge that is useful and enlightening. So it's not only, you know, do you get to get your perv out and see <laughs> genitalia, but you also get an education. And, and, and it's very informative. Yeah, but it wasn't like pervy because the dicks are flaccid. Like, no one's hard. Like, you know what I'm saying? You start to see some growers happen. But, f- and I've never seen, we have never seen so many vaginas I together. Mean, like, listen, I didn't even know. Are in, are apart. <laughs> apart together. I didn't even know certain vaginas look certain ways. I was like, wait, they look what? Like, what's going on here? Like, labias and and some not having labias or not labias being out and tucked in it was a yeah visible see it from the back it was was a very eye-opening shit for two gay men it was was like what is happening here but also it's eye-opening that in the uk because it's a show based in the uk there's a lot of uncircumcised dicks out there a whole lot it's like okay 
Um, so oh, yeah, but we're gonna talk about that show again next week. But if you guys are interested or into it or just want to see what it's about, because again, it's about people being comfortable in their bodies. And again, if you were to see someone, right? Like we have attraction, we visibly see someone's face. But what what would you think can happen if you saw them naked? Would you be first, you know, attracted to them naked, or would you be like, nah, I'm good? Yeah, it's it's very interesting to see how much that could influence someone's choice in wanting to make a connection or not. Right. It's very it's very uh, interesting, and I love that watching the show. It dispels the taboo of being naked. You know, something that we are obsessed with in America is hiding our shame and being you know prudes and. Like everybody is, everybody gets naked eventually. Everybody has the exact same thing. They may look drastically different, but for the most part, everyone has the same thing. And I love that the show doesn't taint it or over sexualize. There's nothing sexual about the show, really. Uh, it's just all about what you're attracted to. Listen, you're born naked and the rest is drag. Amen. Okay. So, um, Really quickly, just want to talk about there was a big thing on Big Brother tonight. Um, spoiler alert: If you haven't watched Big Brother, go ahead and fast forward to the end of this podcast, or, or just, just turn it off. Good night. No, no don't turn it <laughs> off because we have some inf- we have some important information. So don't don't turn it off, but just go a minute past this. But um, spoiler alert: you ready for it? Cameron's back in the house. It honestly was the best news. I would love to have a discussion with someone that feels like it wasn't good because I just really want to pick your brain and one and ask you why do you think the way you think. Jared <laughs> is officially out of the house. Jared's fucking gone. All is right in the world because we are aggressively not fans of the Jared, Siri, Felicia, Trinity of Madness, the Coven of Chaos right. that was their reign in the house. And the next major move that needs to happen is getting Siri out. Wouldn't you agree? It definitely is. That is the objective of the people. So we hope that happens sooner than later. But before we wrap up this episode, guys, we wanted to let you guys know. And we're going to put this on the podcast website for IG. But Davion and I, the host of Oh, That's My Gay Friend, we are participating and the 2023 annual AIDS Walk in West Hollywood, California on Sunday, October 5th of this year. Okay, so this is a cause that's dear near to both of our hearts. Um, I've done the walk three times and this would be your first, right, babe? Correct. Okay. Um, it's fun. If you guys live in L.A., uh, come out to the walk. It's a great st- a great unifying situation is educational also it's also just a good cause to do a really good thing for people who may be living with hiv and or aids and if you maybe have a personal story maybe your own story or family or friends who have some type of correlation um to this but it's really empowering it's really um it's eye-opening it's a game changer again for me it's personal situation and i just love the fact that people come out and they just raise money for awareness for hiv and aids and you know we need to find the end for this this horrific uh disease and it should be a um a cure that's happening 
now. That should be there. Um, so, but um, also want to let you guys know that you can either join a team, you could join Oh That's My Gay Friend podcast team, or you guys can support and sponsor us um, by donating money. Um, we have a goal of a thousand dollars. You know, we're we're they we're we're not there yet. <laughs> we're raising money for that. So, um, if you guys would like to donate, that'd be great. Any amount helps. If we reach our goal, we do. If we don't, we'll still pledge. Uh, but just go to our website, like I said, or the IG page. There's going to be a link in the bio. You can click on that. Like I said, you can join the team or you can participate by sponsorship. So we wanted to put that information out to you guys. So you guys have that. And yeah, we're excited for to be participating with the AIDS Walks of, of Los Angeles. Very, very excited. And we hope to see you guys some of our friends out there if you can and like bruce said if you cannot then just donate whatever you absolutely can every little bit is appreciated yes so on that note friends that concludes this wonderful episode of oh that's my gay friend we want to thank you guys for tuning in if you have any questions comments concerns you guys can always email us at oh that's my gay friend at gmail.com or hit us up in the dms on our ig page oh that's my gay friend you know, be kind to each other. Live life. Live, love, laugh. That's it. On that note, bye, bye friends. friends. Today's episode of Oh, That's My Gay Friend is brought to you by the letter A. Hey, listen, did y'all really think we were going to teach y'all something? This podcast is just to have a kiki with my husband. Tune in next Friday for an all new episode of Oh, That's My Gay Friend. Follow us on Instagram at oh that's my gay friend or email us your questions at oh that's my gay friend at gmail.com until next week bye friends